So today we're starting a new series. You know, we're going through the book. Of, we're going to be taking uh, little snapshots of the stories out of the book of Mark. And uh, one of the reasons we're doing this series, and actually we're going to do a couple of like book-specific series this year, is because our life groups are actually going to be, we're going to be doing what's called a Bible survey. And a Bible survey is just a quick snapshot as we look at the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. And um, we're not going to be spending dig- uh, a large amount of time each each life group uh, digging deep into it, but we are going to get a great snapshot, look at some of the themes, some key verses, and also just other things about each of those books. Uh, so I do want to encourage you uh, about that, and that's why we're looking at Mark this week, which I'm excited about. And today, we're going to be looking at a passage, and we're actually going to be talking about the weather, which in Pittsburgh is something we talk about all the time. It, this week has been quite crazy when it comes to the weather. I, I mean, it's just... Well, here in Pittsburgh, we had it bad, but we didn't have it like Minnesota or, or Michigan even, where they had like a blizzard-like conditions, and then the next day, like it all froze. And then here, tomorrow's supposed to be 60 degrees. Like, what was it? Like last Wednesday, we had like a wind chill of like negative 30 or something like that. And tomorrow, we're going to have wind chill of like 55, you know? Weather. As, the, as the, the joke goes, if you don't like the weather in Pittsburgh, give it two days and it'll change. Some of you guys have heard that. So, anyways, so today we're actually going to be talking about the weather. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41 reads like this. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across the he, and this is Jesus, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them on in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And the great and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat. So the boat was already filling, but he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you care, do you not care that we are perishing? And he woke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? How have you still no faith? And there they were filled with great fear, said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? So um, just also as a quick reminder, you can also pull up the notes for today on your um, smartphone or if you have an iPad. Uh, it's also on elementlife.com. So, so as we uh, take a quick look at this, I want to talk about how we react to storms. In this passage, we see Jesus and the disciples actually dealing with a literal storm. And um, oftentimes, uh, we don't have a literal literal storm, like rain, wind, snow, sleet, all this stuff in our lives on a daily basis. But we do have storms in our lives on a daily basis, weekly basis, yearly basis. We do have storms that we, we deal with, that we interact with. There's many different types of storms that we interact with. And, and how we deal with that storm says a lot about us and about a lot about our relationship with God. And that's what I kind of want to deal with today. So how do we react to storms? The first way that I think that we react to st- storms a lot of time is bewilderment. And uh, the first reaction we have oftentimes is this. And I- I've read this passage dozens of times, and I don't know why, but I always miss, like, verse 36. Verse 36, that it says that they, he, just as he was. In other words, there was no real big plan about this trip. There was no, hey, you know, 
we're going to go across, you know, we're going to take a day trip tomorrow. So, you know, make sure that there's food for this or food for that. No, just as he was. This was a moment. This was a choice that they made. And you're like, Craig, what does this have to do with bewilderment? Because I think with bewilderment, we always end up saying, if I had only known or if I only knew when it comes to the storms that happen in our lives, we think that if we could see out far enough that I could plan enough to make sure this storm doesn't affect me. And I, while I hear that and I understand that, um, I, I don't think we do a good job even when we do know that. I think about the fact that two weeks ago, we were supposed to have this, this snowmageddon that came through. Like all the weather people are telling us, we're going to have, you know, three to six inches of snow and everything's going to be bad. And what does everyone do? They run out, buy four loaves of bread, a couple gallons of milk, and toilet paper. I still don't understand where that came from. But it's the Friday before the storm. I actually was over. I was um, picking up stuff for dinner. Uh, for Amy and I were making dinner, and I, Amy sent me to the store. And I walked through Shop and Save, and there's four rows of bread, and the whole center section empty. And I just stood there and laughed. I'm like, really? And, and one of my former students, he uh, he posted online that he's like. I don't know if he said this or someone else said it, but he posted online. He was like, I've watched a lot of survival shows, but I never hear them say, boy, I could go for some toast and milk right now. And really, how long are you being inside that you need like a whole pack of toilet paper? And let's be honest, we're Pittsburghers. We go to Sam's Club and buy the plenty pack beforehand, so why do you got to buy more? But I'm getting off topic here because I just think it's fascinating, but planning for a storm. We think we know how to do it. And I have a friend that lives in Florida. And in Florida, like whenever a hurricane comes in, they board up the windows and then they run away, which is a smart move because of our hurricanes coming, you don't want to be there. And then you have the people that stay, even if there is, you know, a state of emergency. But still, the house, even if you board up the windows, yeah, the windows might not break, but you could still get flooded. The roof can still be damaged. The home can, the property can still be affected by this. What I'm trying to say is storms happen to us. They're going to happen. And, and I think sometimes that we, we have this idea that we can over-prepare or we can prepare away the problems. But we're going to be affected. I don't know why storms happen in our lives. I don't have an easy answer for that. And I don't want to sound like a, a downer, but you will have a storm show up in your life. And it will affect you. And it will take you out of your comfort zone. It will take you and stretch you and make you feel quite uncomfortable. And the reason I get to this is the Sea of Galilee is where this happens, and it's notorious for storms. The Sea of Galilee is actually located in a depression some 700 feet below sea level, and it is surrounded by hills. Frequently, a rush of wind and the right mix of temperatures can cause a storm to come suddenly upon the lake. Storms on the Sea of Galilee were known for their suddenness and also for their violence. So several of the people, several of the disciples, were fishermen. They, they actually were on the sea often. So these men, these disciples, had experienced storms on this before. They had seen the devastation that these can cause, and I'm sure that they knew the possibility was there. But where they lived, 
they knew that was a possibility. And I think that's something we need to understand. That's what we need to accept is that storms happen. Where we live, they are going to happen. We live in that proper depression of land that winds will come off the hills and will affect us. Now, I'm not saying this, to, again, I said to be a downer, but, you know, I don't want to be eat or up here and be like, well, the storm's coming. If it's not here, it'll be here tomorrow. I've been accused by someone that I, I live like this occasionally, that I expect things. I call it planning. I call it realism. But let's be honest. If we truly believe that 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 God is in control of all things, and I'm going to come to this point a little bit deeper, we can't live in this aspect of every day something bad is going to happen to us. We need to accept that when we are in a storm, we're in a storm. But we can't take the moments when the sun shines around and turn around and be like, Tomorrow's going to be a storm. Tomorrow could sunshine even better. Next week could even be a, a more glorious week. So yes, storms will happen, but we can't live in this idea of bewilderment. And there was this thought that I read that if you really, really kind of want to, it twisted my noodle, um, made me think really hard, in other words. Um, there was a theologian named uh, Worsby, and he said this, Jonah ended up in a storm because of his disobedience. The disciples ended up in a storm because of their obedience. And to me, I, I read that and I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> but it's true. Sometimes, like I said, I don't know why you hit a storm. I don't know why a storm happens. And sometimes the storm happens because you're in the right place at the right time for the right purpose. So the second thing or the second way that we react to storms is fear. And perhaps this is the, the most common reaction. This is perhaps the, the reaction that we have almost all the time when it comes to storms is we're afraid. Mark 4 verses 37 to 38 says, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, the he again is Jesus, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him up, said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So really what they're saying here is, hey, Jesus, we, all of us, this includes you, buddy, we're going to die if you don't do something. And I don't think that they were really, and we'll get into this a little bit more in a, in a few moments here. I think they were asking him more to get a bucket and grab an oar than for him to do what he actually does at the end of this passage. They were more concerned about, hey, <laughs> dude, you're, you're taking a nap and we need another hand. Which in and of itself, the fact that Jesus was able to sleep this much it says something else totally, and that's a whole other sermon. But when we look at fear, I, I want to break it down a little bit a little bit more. Whenever we encounter a storm in our lives and we, we have this common reaction of fear, often we tie it to this idea of God doesn't care. We tie it to this idea that when there's storms in our life, when something bad is going on, our reaction is God don't care. We like to stand and, and stamp our feet and turn our heads to the turn our heads to the, the sky and be like, God, why don't you care about me anymore? It was not a, a request to him to do anything, but a protest against him doing nothing. This is often the first thought we have. If I'm in a storm, then God doesn't care. 
This is an emotional response, and honestly, it's an honest response. But I just want to point out that this is why I think we need to have a better idea of what's the Bible, better literacy of the Bible. This is why one of the reasons why I'm excited about our life groups doing this Bible survey, because when you look at the whole of the Bible, it gives us an opportunity to see things in a much better perspective. Because if our response is, he doesn't care, the Israelites, God's chosen people, spent 40 years wandering around the desert. And this is after he took them out of enslavement, and still they wandered. He cared all the way through. He cared for them even when they decided to do things that upset him that actually went against the rules that he laid that he had laid down, and they ended up getting conquered by people in the land that they were supposed to remove. And so because of that, they would cry out to them, and God would save them, and then they would ignore him, and then he would save them, and then he would ignore them, or they would ignore him, and then he would save them. But all the time, they were like, God doesn't care. Or, or if we think that God doesn't care, uh, just think about King David, who was called in Scripture a man after God's own heart. This is also the guy that, that Saul, the king before him, tried to murder him and actually spent time hunting him down. And then also, if you talk about messed up families, I, we all think that we have pretty messed up families. Just look at King David's family. I mean, he ends up having an affair with a woman and they have a child, the child dies. And then also he has a son who decides to try and steal his throne from him I mean, King David's family wasn't the best family. But here it is. He's a man after God's own heart. God loved him. God cared for him every single step of the way. And then we can think about Saul, he's, who's called Paul in the New Testament. The guy who wrote over half of the New Testament, and perhaps what we would consider one of the greatest missionaries. This dude got beaten and left for dead. He was shipwrecked. He was arrested multiple times, imprisoned multiple times, and then eventually was sent to Rome to plead his case before the emperor. These are all storms and events in all these men's lives, in, in a whole nation's life in is, with the Israelites. But the reason I tell you this is God cares. Even in the midst of the storm, even in the midst of whatever issues going on, God cares. Now, it is fine for us to sit and wail and scream and be upset. It's okay. But you can't live there. You can't spend the whole entire time that you're in the midst of the storm pouting and being upset. We need to move forward. In Scripture, it talks about that God is a loving father. And sometimes fathers let their kids fall and scrape their knees. Or sometimes fathers, while they're Son is learning how to ride bike, doesn't stop the bike, and they run into the back of a parked station wagon. I'm not speaking from experience or anything. <sighs> Sometimes a loving father will let you get hurt. It happens. It doesn't mean they don't love you any less. And now I do speak to, if you do have, there are people that have family issues. And they do have fathers that are, are mean. I want to let you know that God isn't like that. God is a loving and gracious father. He does want the best for you. Another response that we have in this idea of fear is, I'm going to die. 
Sometimes we, we look at a storm in our lives and our first response is, this is going to kill me. And you see, the disciples were afraid, but at the same time, they were, as I said before, there was experienced fishermen. So for them to be this upset and this worried about a storm, this wasn't just some little windstorm. This was, this was going to capsize the boat. It was going to sink them. These guys were, were, were afraid. And, and I believe God has a purpose for each of us. I believe that God has called us each to do something great. And I really believe that he's not going to take us away until we've accomplished that purpose. Now, this is not a, a, a thing to go and live however you want because you're like, I can't die because God's not done with me. That's not what I'm saying at all. Not saying that you can go out and, and eat and drink and be merry just because I'm not going to die. God's not done with me. No. As a side note, God also has said in the scripture, Jesus said, Jesus teaches us that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So if our body is a temple, shouldn't we treat it as such? That means that treating it correctly and the fact that you're getting enough sleep, that you're eating the right things, that you're, you're doing things to make your life good here. And it's something we all need to work on. It's just like owning a home. I don't own one. My parents have. But we still had to cut the grass all the time in the summer. You still had to shovel the snow when it fell. You still had to repair a wall. You still had to plant flowers so that it looked good in the spring and in the summer. We need to do those same things with our bodies. You see, I think sometimes we fear death. And as a Christian, you can't fear death. Because death isn't the end for us as Christians. As a Christian, death is just uh, just moving over to, to glory. Now, again, this doesn't mean that we get to run around and live willy-nilly a, a YOLO life. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that that fear shouldn't stop us in the midst of the storm. That fear of death shouldn't stop us from ha using that opportunity in the storm to still share the love of Christ with other people. It's something that we need to do. We can't be controlled by fear. So the, the my third point today is how we react to storms. We react to storms in awe. I like watching storms. I don't know about you guys. I like a nice thunderstorm. Like in the spring and in the summer, I like sitting on, on the back porch and like the light show. I remember this one night I was driving home from work and it was, the sky was like pitch black. It was like the darkest I'd ever seen. And all of a sudden this lightning just started dancing cloud to cloud. And I just sat there and I was like, this is so cool. And I lived off the lake in, in northern Ohio and you could watch a storm come across the lake and it just is like the coolest looking thing is it pulls that moisture up off the water. But I've also been awed by a storm because of the horrific destruction a storm can cause. I was in Joplin, Missouri, oh my gosh, almost 15 years ago. Um, and the destruction is just, it's awe. Like you sit there and it, it literally looked like someone had taken a giant weed whacker and just gone through the town. And the crazy thing is, a house right here would be perfectly fine, and the house right beside it would be destroyed. And that's just awe-inspiring because you're like, what's the rhyme or the reason here? 
and all you could do is just stand there in awe. And that's what storms do. Storms, storms can spark that moment of awe in us. Mark, 40, Mark 4, 40 through 41 says this. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear, and they said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Why are you so fearful, and why do you have no faith? God's response wasn't like, man, that was a really wicked storm. Jesus' response was, why were you guys so afraid? And then he followed it up with, why do you guys not have any faith? It's not the fear of the storm that made Jesus say they had no faith. A, a, a boat in a big storm is a scary place to be. But how the, the disciples choose to, to use their fear made the difference. The wording here indicates that Jesus had expected them by this time to have demonstrated some level of a maturing faith. And again, this won't, well, not again, but this isn't the last time Jesus rebukes these guys for their lack of faith. If you look at the, the Gospels and, and you look at the, the story of, of Jesus and the disciples, there are several more times where Jesus says to them, why do you have no faith? Why do you have no faith? And I, I read a passage like this, and I hear them, and I try and put myself in it, and it's like, I'd be freaking out too. I'd, still, I'd be like, like, we really need to start bailing this water out because I should not be standing in water in a boat. That's... I'm in a boat, so I'm not standing in water. And so their fear here drives them to a point where they challenge Jesus, and Jesus is like, wait, 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 do you not realize who I am? Well, do you not see who is, who is sleeping here in the boat with you? As I was preparing this message, and the title of today's message is Stronger Than a Storm, and it made me think of the first VeggieTales I'd ever seen. God is bigger than the boogeyman. God is bigger than the boogeyman. Yeah. You're going to be singing that the rest of the day because be, I've been singing it all week. <laughs> I actually pulled it up and watched it again just because I was like, is this as, as awesome as I remember it? It was. But if you've never seen VeggieTales and have no reference for what I'm doing, Junior Asparagus. It's VeggieTales. They use all the different veggies. Junior Asparagus was having nightmares because he had seen a scary movie on TV. And so he couldn't fall asleep. And so Larry and Bob show up. This is a cucumber and a tomato, respectively. And they tell him that they, he doesn't have to be afraid because God is bigger than the boogeyman. God is bigger than your storm. God is stronger than your storm. And I think that's what the disciples had missed. They had forgotten the fact that the man with them, though he be sleeping, is stronger than the storm around them. And I think sometimes this is what's going on in our lives. We're so awed by the storm that's around us. We're so, so flabbergasted, so, oh my gosh, that we're not awed by God. We're not awed by the fact that he's in the storm with us and that he can rebuke the wind. And that's the thing, like, his words stop the storm. 
Like, he didn't do anything crazy, but said, you know, he re- it says he rebuked the winds. It means he commanded the winds to stop, and they stopped. I think sometimes we forget in our lives that Jesus is the Son of God, creator of the universe. So the storm that you're in can be stopped by a word from him. Now, this doesn't mean that every storm in your life is going to stop. Because there's sometimes storms in our lives that are there to help us grow. There's storms in our lives because of the decisions we have made, even though he has clearly said stop or don't or no. And there's sometimes there's storms, I don't know. They happen. And we won't know on this side of heaven why those storms happen. And on the opposite side of heaven, it's not going to matter anymore. Storms suck. But they're going to happen. It's how we look at them. It's how we respond. We're going to go into a time of, of communion here. But as, I, as I'm wrapping up here, this idea, God is stronger than your storm. And when we look at this passage and we look at this idea I think that sometimes, while I know that we need to take a better perspective, we can't be bewildered and be totally caught off guard by a storm. I'm not saying that we need to live a life of constant fear of what could happen, but when a storm happens, we can't spend all that time saying, oh, if I'd only known. A storm's going to happen. We live in a world that's broken. And then when a storm happens, we can't live in fear. We can't be so scared that we can't do something. And the something we need to do oftentimes is turn it over to God. Other times it is bail the water while you're praying. And then lastly, the awe. Storms are amazing, violent things. But we need to be more in awe of God than we are of the storm. And on a last point, on a thing that I, I didn't mention, but I kind of want to is, remember that the he said to the disciples, he said, why do you have so little faith? And he was challenging them to have a faith, to realize who he was. And I think sometimes, or not sometimes, there may be some of us that have been, how do I, how do I write it? The passage, is, the passage says that the disciples followed Jesus, even though they did not know all about him. And maybe this is where we are. And maybe it's time that we move beyond just following him and not knowing him, but putting our trust and our faith in him. So as we go into a time of communion, I just kind of want you to think about these things. And if you are in a time of storm, reach out to him. Because he is a loving and gracious father. Everyone bow your heads and close your eyes.